When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Welcome to Blood and Mud, the podcast that revels in the role of being a critical sausage. Thank you very much, Alice Genge. I am Lee. And over there is... Uh, Josh, just about, yeah. Yeah, and also joining, the lady over there is... Uh, Rhiannon, hi. Did you lose anything in Storm Chiara over the weekend? Is it Chiara or Kira? Did you lose anything in Storm over the weekend? Roof tiles, garden gnomes, the ability to kick with any coherent plan, stuff like that? Uh, my dignity, obviously, but, you know, that's that's long gone anyway, so, yeah. Did it reach yeah. Copenhagen, Varvendarvend, where you live, Rhiannon? Just enough to knock off the plastic bag I use as a bike seat because I'm too lazy to buy a real one. You use a plastic it... bag as a bike seat because you're too lazy to buy a real one. Can you talk me the through shop... that? The only shops are only open like nine till four. If you have a normal job, it's very hard to go to the shop. <laughs> so I don't have a real bike seat, so I use a plastic bag. I forgot to take it off and the wind blew it past my window yesterday. I mean, it's windy a lot here, to be honest. Like... <laughs> So am I here that you said, how do you use a plastic, is it stuffed with something, a plastic bag as a bike seat? Oh, no, sorry, the, like, there's a seat, but oh. it gets wet. Oh, good, so thank fuck got, for that. Sorry. Christ oh, yeah, that paints quite, quite a brutal picture. No, I no, mean, a yeah, bike. I was, I was thinking. Say, <laughs> like sitting on a razor blade as the old advert <laughs> went, yeah. Yeah, and I can't really yeah. cycle very well standing up. That would have gone very badly. No. Anyway, no, just a, just a seat cover to keep you dry. Right. right. Okay, that's fine. That makes about ten thousand percent more sense. Yeah, that was, that was a, poor, a poor description on my part. I'm extremely glad we cleared. Tell that us up about inappropriate things that you sit on, ladies and gentlemen, by getting in touch with me <laughs> at Blood and Mud, or you can get in touch with Josh uh, at Josh Gardner. 
And how do people at get in re- touch with you, Ray? At Ray Garth Jones, but leave me out of it, guys. Yeah, exactly. Or you could just That's tell, you could just write to Ray to try and get her to explain this in more detail because I would. We're on photos a- if you want. <laughs> we're on Acast. We're on iTunes. We're also on patreoncom slash blood and mud. Thank you to everybody who gives us that little bit of extra support for this for all this brilliant rugby chat we've given you so far this episode. Um, we have a VIP lounge you can join. Come in and stay warm by the fire in these stormy times. And the people who've joined us in there this week are Robert and also Hi. Matt Cunningham. Thank you very much to both of you for coming in and joining us. Where all the best people hang out. In the VIP Indeed. lounge. Pull up a... I mean, is there stools? Is there chairs? I mean, there should be chairs. We'll get VIP you whatever area, you need, really. There's, yeah, you yeah, can get yeah. your surely seat you have... covered in a plastic bag. You can get anything yeah. you want, really. <laughs> I was going to say, surely the seat's are sticky, so you would need a plastic bag. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Shall we do a player spotted, as we often do in this situation? We better add, yeah. Uh, yeah. Daniel Nascimento has been in touch. Nascimento? I've done my best there, Daniel, I'll be honest. I was going to say, I was about to compliment you and then you just walked it back massively. I think I put one so, too many I mean, eyes in. I said, I think it's Nascimento. Uh, anyway, thank you for getting in touch, Daniel. And he says, the night before the Italy-Wales game, I had a wander around the Mecca for Welsh rugby, that, for Welsh rugby players that is Pont Canna. I get to yep. the Pont Canna Inn and who should we see but the four, but the power trifecta of Lloyd Williams, Alex Cuthbert and Oof. Gareth Anscombe. Oof. Perfect. <laughs> nice. All what three appeared to be drowning their not playing tomorrow sorrows at an impressive rate. I was there half an hour and in that time <laughs> they took away at least four rounds of Jaeger bombs plus their standard shorts. Backs don't drink pints. <laughs> With injured Anscombe seemingly leading the charge, though he didn't go to the bar or leave his seat once, assuming because of his recent surgery. I was about to say it's good to see that his rehab is going well. You know, he's clearly absolutely taking this all very seriously with shitloads of booze. Good. Good level of detail there, though. Well, this is what we like. Yeah, though, yeah, yeah. Know. He finishes, Daniel. He says, it makes me wonder, is there a place in the world which has, that, which has a lower rugby player per square inch than Canna, than Pont Canna, apart from maybe Bath? Or is it a higher rugby player? I was going to say. Let yeah. say higher. Copenhagen it's is definitely lower. <laughs> it's absolutely Bath, let's have you, be honest. Have you ever seen a rugby player in Copenhagen, mate? <clears throat> no. There are a lot of really tall men here. I mean, Denmark's I a missed opportunity, isn't it, really? Apparently they have a team that's not as shite as you'd think. <laughs> not as shite as you think. The Ospreys, not the as shite as you'd think. I mean, that's factually I reckon, inaccurate. I reckon they could so. beat the Ospreys. <laughs> you know, when you get to, like, well, I don't know, third tier, they're sort of all right, apparently. Oh. I need to investigate, sort really. Of a, sort of all right, apparently. Again, if that's not underneath <laughs> the badge, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> I am basing um, this on a on a bar made at my local pub's assessment of them. So my oh, scouting no. operation is obviously high quality. Absolutely. According to uh, to Wikipedia, the Danish national side is currently ranked 78th in the world, which is not bad. Who's not ranked 77? I mean, let's find out, shall we? Um, if that's not what just... this podcast is for after a Six Nations weekend, I don't know what is. So yeah, let's find out. <laughs> Let's rapidly the googling the rankings. rankings. Oh yeah, I see how far down they go. Da, 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 da. Is it as far Here down as Denmark? Crucially, view full rankings. Uh, what did I say? Seventy eight. Hey, they're seventy one now. I was going to say they've, fucking, they've they've, they've leaped right up. 
They're above Andorra. They're above Guam, <laughs> Botswana, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I think your laughter is crawly. They're <laughs> <laughs> above Papua New Guinea. They've got a really good league team. Who's yeah, one above them? I know it's... So they're in 71st. Who's above... Who is the, what, the team uh, that's better than Denmark? Slovenia, Nigeria, Bermuda, Jamaica, Zambia. Uh, Chinese, Chinese type, type. It's upsetting. <laughs> Yeah. Hungary, <laughs> Latvia, so many levels. Chinese Taipei is upset. I mean, well, yeah, the UAE. I didn't even know that they played rugby in the UAE. I mean, I didn't know they played rugby in a lot to... of these countries. Israel. I think a lot of these are expats. Guyana, Luxembourg. I mean, there's barely Cayman any Islands. fuckers in Luxembourg anyway. <clears throat> what are they? How have they got a fucking rugby team together? There's about seven people in that country, and a better rugby team than Denmark. A mate of mine who's Barry John's son, Di, he uh, he actually did play for the Cayman Island, Islands. Don't you? He yeah, played for the Cayman drive. Islands. I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Cayman Islands are on it, yep. 57. Just, yeah. I think he was literally on holiday in the Cayman Islands when there were seven stories <laughs> on or something Holding they got in. to play. Ev- so. Everyone says they're on holiday in the Cayman Islands. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid what, I can't discuss that was secret illegal account. Yes. <laughs> So, so yeah. anyway, there you go. So you go. what were we talking about? Poncana. Yeah. Six Nations. I mean, it's it's yeah. shooting fish in a fucking barrel in Poncana, isn't it? Trying to spot the players, let's be honest. Absolutely. Shall we talk about some news? Oh, oh fuck me, there's a lot of news, isn't there? Well, where do you want to start, Josh? Start me off with some news. Um, Razzy Erasmus is not going to be England coach. Is that um, official, or are you just concluding that, well, that it's nonsense? Well, I mean... That's what everyone's saying. I mean, I'm not sure if I believe it or not, but everyone is saying that it's he's not going to be England coach. Have um, you seen his new Twitter account? I have. He's, uh, it, it's a little bit of a trying a bit too hard vibe for me. It's like he's got caught in the act with, and he's just like really over. He's, he's laying it on a bit thick right now. It's like we get it, Razzy. You. But it's also definitely a... Laying a platform for something vibe to me. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's a weird flex. Instead of just saying no, he's created a Twitter account with loads of things that make him look like a really fucking good coach. Which, I mean, that's one way to do it, I suppose. But it's it is the odd. Jake White way. I mean, <laughs> what <laughs> applying for all the jobs and not getting them? Yeah, that's. Oh. That's Winning one way a World to burn Cup and then showing how. Yeah. <laughs> I'm attempting to do. I'm doing the Jay White route to being a, a fighter pilot. I keep just applying for the jobs <laughs> and not getting. Them. Eventually, yeah. someone's going to give it to you. They will. They'll have to, won't they? They'll have to. Just to get just you to go away. You. <laughs> yes, yeah. you throw you out in the ring enough. It would. So it would get you to go away. The story well. is effectively that he's meant to be England manager or stroke head coach next year, isn't he? According uh, to the all talk, yeah. reports. The reports in South Africa are that he has been approached by the RFU and is considering the offer. Never that he's accepted it, but he then was conveniently spotted at Murrayfield on uh, Saturday evening as well, which, I mean, it's just a bit of a weird thing for a guy who's sort of in charge of South African rugby to be doing in the middle of the Super Rugby season, isn't it? Just popping off. To be fair, he just bought a ticket for an end-of-the-world experience. (laughs) <laughs> and that's where they sent him, basically, so we could feel what it yeah, was. Yeah, it wasn't his fault in that regard then, I guess, yeah. Well, I want you to know bleakness. 
Well, what yeah, was he but does the head? Does the head? Yeah, South what, what on should it? join the Six Nations <laughs> in that kind of weather? Do you? <laughs> do you want this every year? It's worse. Yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking <laughs> so shit, lads. Worse. Honestly, don't bother. However, Damien Dialendi could do some real damage in this weather. <laughs> oh Jesus! Imagine. <laughs> To the pitch as well as everybody else. <laughs> yes, there'd be, there'd be no need for any of this kicking nonsense. Just give it to him and he'd walk slowly like a traction engine in the middle of the field, pulling everybody with him. <laughs> Players just sliding off him, yeah. And the, the added benefit of that is that once he's finished, you know, they could plant potatoes in Murrayfield exactly. really easily. It'd be lovely. Yeah. Um, so, so it's bollocks then, is what we've... Well, the RFU is denying it. He's denying it. Um... Which, of course, he's going to deny it and the RFU are going to deny it. The RFU aren't going to, you know, admit to approaching a coach during the middle of the Six Nations. And he's not going to admit to it when he hasn't got the fucking job yet. So he might be. I mean, it Didn't makes everyone perf- deny it with Eddie Jones as well? He was coming oh, sure. to staying at the store for, for quite a while. Yeah. You. Everyone denies everything until they can't deny it anymore. That's the golden yeah, rule exactly. of this business, I think. And ultimately, like, well, why wouldn't the RFU approach him if they want to get shot of Eddie Jones, which, you know, is increasingly seeming like it might be the only way that, in a sort of Jose Mourinho in his third year vibes, is sort of feeling like the only way this really ends is in fire and blood. So, I mean, they're, they're entirely kind of okay. I, 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 I don't see any problem with the RFU kind of scouting out potential replacements. And why wouldn't you go to the guy who's just won the fucking World Cup? I love that you idea know? on your CV, you know, reason for leaving last job. Fire. Excess of fire, fire and blood, and blood yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, they've already taken uh, the South African forwards card. Exactly, they've already got Proudfoot. So, so what a fucking job not? he's done, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's early days. It's early days. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that man. I was speaking of South Africa. We might as well do this as well. South Africa. The other thing that's not happening in terms of Africa is them joining the Six Nations, is it? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, fucking how much not. fucking commentaries has this been given for? What is something that is fucking shitload and totally utter bollocks. This is something that some fucking wag in CVC has just leaked to the press and gone just to see what, how badly it will go down. And the reaction is, yeah, really fucking badly, actually. Who'd have thought it? Definitely, definitely seems like a private money idea and not someone who has any understanding of a history of rugby idea. Yeah. I mean, they're basically trying actually... to reboot Alien versus Predator, but in a rugby sort of version, aren't they? <laughs> I, can't I mean, that's sort their see idea for half times. <laughs> what can you see? It? I can see a li- the logic a little bit from South Africa's point of view in the sense that the time zones work, all their players are going to Europe anyway. The stadiums they, will be full again. When they joined the Pro 14, they talked a lot about moving the rest of the teams over. There's no money in this kind of Southern Hemisphere tournaments, all of that malarkey. That sort of makes sense. I just feel like it doesn't make sense for anybody else. And it makes sense from a cash point of view because, you know, if you're gonna if you got the option of expanding the Six Nations to include Georgia or South Africa, I know which is gonna bring in more T V money. And that's ultimately <laughs> all that C that's all that C V C is ever gonna care about is how well, big the T V money is. Japan would bring in miles more money than South Africa. 
yeah, don't 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 rule that shit. Eight nations, like eight nations. Yeah, still no Georgia. Ten nations, fifteen nations. Fuck it, Who still cares? no Georgia. All the nations. Sixteen World nations. Cup every year. Four continents. Sky. Fiji still yeah. excluded. Fiji and Georgia. Tiny market, mate. Still outside. Yeah. But America get their own group, just, just so they can win it every year. Sleeping giant. Yeah. Um. If the yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's. Anyway, no, that so that's that's silliness. Yeah, if it does happen, yeah. it's an absolute fucking travesty. It's not going to happen. We've just basically added to the noise that has been made by this by even engaging with it. But yeah, yes, it's, it's absolute nonsense. Yeah, um, absolute nonsense. Moving across to Scotland, which um, Johnny Gray <laughs> is injured. Is injured. Let's do oh, this I one. Thought you were talking now, about you, now you sound like you're a prick. The funny thing. I thought you were talking about the funny thing, not the unfunny thing. Yeah, I there's nothing waiting. funny about Johnny Gray getting into just why are you laughing? What's wrong with you? Uh, I just find it. I just don't like the look of it. I don't like the look of his face. I'm glad to see the back of him. <clears throat> Fuck him. But Johnny Gray has got himself injured for the rest of the Six Nations, which is yeah, he's got a hand injury, which I'm guessing just means a broken hand. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why can't they just tell you the say what just these tell things you what are? It is. As a hand, he's got a hand injury that's going to keep him out for over a month. I think he might have a broken hand, but you know whatever. they'll miss him because Ben Toulis isn't very good. <laughs> I mean, that is Ben Toulis has got extremely early two thousands hair. Yes, and that's all I can really say. He looks about like him. a bass player in a power metal band. Yeah, what ben he really looks does. Like. Yeah. I mean, he seems enthusiastic. I won't. He does. He's just not very good. He's just he, yeah. He's, he's, just he doesn't really offer a great deal, does he? So I thought Johnny Gray was uh, was pretty good actually at the weekend. He's always pretty good. That is the ultimate sort of catch twenty two with the Gray brothers, isn't it? They're always right seven on the out of ten line. across the, the board. Yeah, they're always seven out of ten. Yeah, and they're very rarely nine. I think I've been a bit down on Johnny Gray recently, though. He's sort of been like a five out of ten for me for a while. I thought he was a bit better. And then he went and broke his hand, so now we'll be back to nothing. That's why you know he's most five out of ten. <laughs> this is what happens when you try. Yeah. yeah. Is... Coach, if I give it a bit more effort, all my bones break. <laughs> so what do you want me to do? Give it a whirl. So uh, uh, yeah. anyway. Staying with Scotland then, Finn uh. Russell's decided to break his silence. <laughs> and so is fucking Gregor Townsend now. Gregor oh, yeah, Townsend's made a video. Enough. Has he made a video? Oh, I haven't watched the video. Yes, are you have like had him being interviewed on video and everything? Oh, really God. making a point about it. Can we like watch it all now and just like live? <laughs> Give a live response. I mean, it's, it's just nothing says this situation is an absolute shit show. Like players doing massive tell-all newspaper interviews that trashes everything the union's been saying about the events and then the coach coming back and doing a weird video interview. When was the last time you saw an under-fire coach slash rugby administrator do a weird video interview? Oh, yeah. It was Andrew Millwood at the Ospreys after the whole fucking <laughs> shambolic <laughs> getting rid of Alan Clark affair. So, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not a great it's sign, is it? It's just going to look like a hostage video, isn't it? Like, it's just not going <laughs> to... Well, I've got it's it from here. It's work. four minutes long, so I don't want to start playing it without actually, you know, listening to it, because it wouldn't make a very, very good podcast. I mean, podcast basically, for what Gregor Townsend has said... I mean, four minutes that... on the Danish rugby union is far more informative than four minutes of <laughs> Gregor Townsend. Absolutely, it is. Definitely more exciting. Basically, what Townsend has said, like, is basically sort of like a teacher going... I don't care about the boys I've just sent out the room. I want to focus on the kids that are paying attention in here. 
is the, yeah, that is pretty much it's the long and yeah. sh- it's the long and short of it yeah combined with some sly little digs about how finn's not very committed which yeah, I mean, meanwhile finn russell's in isolate in the isolation room doing like backflips <laughs> and doing really artistic <laughs> things on the wall also as power moves go i feel like finn's two moves telling everyone that it was his game plan at Twickenham last year and giving this interview have had much more impact than Townsend's power moves, which have not really worked in any way. Am I the only one that... I'm finding it hard to be on Townsend's side or believe anything he says in this because I can't... I don't think I'll ever get over the slightly fucking shithousey, weaselly way that he got the fucking job in the first place. And Mm. I kind of look at that and just think, if you're... If you're capable of fucking stitching up Big Vern behind his back, what else are you capable of? You know, I don't. Believe I sort you. of think I don't buy it. They're all they're all a bunch of dickheads, and Finn is well, at yeah. least a fun one. I mean, they're all professional athletes, so yeah, they're all dickheads. But what, made, what I find <laughs> interesting, he did the interview right, and it was interesting enough, and it was nice to actually hear his version of yeah. it. I suppose. However, yeah, yeah. there was there I was agree. no part of it that didn't make me think. Well, I've pretty much fucking guessed that's what had happened. <laughs> you exactly, thought yeah. that you weren't given enough of a voice. You thought you were treated like a kid, and you wanted to make sh- you'd, you'd rather that they treated you on your kind of outcomes and training effort and results rather than having to go about. I mean, if it's true that it yeah, was you... two beers and you go to bed, then that is fucking insane. Who's setting those rules? If that's what, <laughs> and that's they, the thing that a I bit think fun killing, don't they? Well, they just see like Wales had that thing in the 2011 World Cup, famously where they agreed as a squad that they weren't all going to drink. Uh, during the World Cup at all. Isn't and... that because Sam Warburton said he wasn't going to drink and everyone was like, oh, all right then. Go on, <laughs> Basically, <Sam." laughs> yeah. 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 But like, and you know, but that has... The Scottish camp has the same moral authority as Sam, is what I mean, you know. Like... What I think is it's really interesting is that sort of, like, the I, I understand where people are coming from when they're like, you know, oh, if you want to be in the team, you respect team rules and nobody's above the team. But does anybody actually think that it's not the case that nobody's above the team and nobody's too important? Because that's absolutely yeah, not true. If you want that to be true, you don't make stupid that. fucking rules. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And also, and also, like, rugby's a team sport, obviously. But if you honestly think there's no room for, like, lunatic mavericks in this game and everybody's got to be a mindless fucking drone that follows all the rules all the time, I genuinely Again, feel bad for I you. I come back to, having more than two drinks is not being exactly. a lunatic maverick. Calm down. That, th- that third beer is really tipping you over the edge. What's the line between you know, normality and Cocaine-drenched hedonism. Yeah. It's, it's exactly more than two pints before you become a total well, there was, lunatic. There was it wasn't even, thing, it wasn't even pints. It might have just been bottles. I think it was just bottles. <laughs> If it was Desperados, though, that'd be fucking something to worry about. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of those. There's not any. There's not any tequila in them. It's all. It's all just flavour. Well, judging by the taste and the smell, it's fucking vinegar that's in them. But um. <laughs> so where does this leave him? He's kind of. It's well, the, depending on which way you look at it, one or both of them are fucked now, aren't they? Really? Because well, this I is mean, kind of what I mean. There's no way Finn gives that interview. After the last one he gave, where he's not basically saying, you sack Townsend or I don't come back and play for you. Like, there's no... He's he's absolutely saying, I am not... Yeah, I am not coming back until that guy's fucking gone. And what's interesting is, um, Cammy Black from uh, the Scottish Rugby podcast did a sort of, like 
behind the scenes look at everything that had basically been said about that yeah. um about that Calcutta Cup game last year like in the aftermath of it in various things before this and it certainly seems like Finn Russell's version of events bears a lot more in common with what people who weren't said. either Gregor, Ta- Gregor Townsend or Finn <clears throat> Russell said than what Townsend. When Townsend was saying that they had a really nice chat in the medical room, I mean, I don't fucking believe him, Frank, at all. He just, it just seems like everybody else says that Finn, him and Finn basically had a fucking massive row. <laughs> well, and yeah, Finn Gordon, basi- Reed, and Finn, Gordon Reed said and that Finn, that's what happened. Yeah. And then Finn, Finn basically went out and said, fuck you, I'm going to go and do it my way. That's And that's kind of what Finn's saying. And Gre- it's just fucking, it's so fucking stupid. Because you think about Gregor Townsend, the player, right? Like, he was not a player that, he was something of a bit of a fucking creative, expressive maverick himself on his day. And it seems yeah, mental to me. That he can't look at Finn Russell and go, and he actually said it in the interview that him and Finn basically think about rugby the same way and they cut from the same cloth. And I just look at that and just think, well, if you honestly think that's the case, then why the fuck can't you just let that guy go out and imp- express himself? It's like, just, fuck, it seems so. You're totally only allowed to express yourself if you've been to bed at half eight every night for five days previously. <laughs> <laughs> And within I don't the see how that's unreasonable to tell a 27-year-old to do that, basically. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, can you imagine Carlos Spencer being told not to have a third beer? <laughs> yes. He would no, throw I can't. the third beer at you. Dummy it, throw yeah, it at you, yeah. and then get a fourth. Absolutely. Or Gareth Edwards. Or even Danny Cipriani. Danny Cipriani absolutely shouldn't have that third beer, but... <laughs> well, if he, if he does, you should take his car keys off him. <laughs> Absolutely, you should. But yeah, it's it's just it's just this whole situation. And every time I read something about it, my I just think this whole situation is eminently avoidable by him them not saying anything about it. And just when Finn comes back into the fucking comes back for after he misses training that morning, they sit him down and go, "Look, Finn." That was a bit of a dick move, but we understand where you're coming from. Everybody got a little bit hot here. Let's get on with trying to beat Ireland, shall we? I think it's not even that, you know. Like, generally, I agree with that point, but he was no, I don't think he was ever even scheduled to be in training. On the Monday? Because he played the day before. Of course he did, didn't he? Yeah. So he was supposed to be in training, meeting, which he missed. Oh, yeah, the meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who among us hasn't skipped a pointless meeting? When hungover. You know, after three drinks. I just refused to attend him. <laughs> he should have phoned from his bedroom and said, "I'm dialing into this one." The worst thing, the worst, the most unedifying part of the whole thing, from Russell's point of view, is that he called his mum and dad to pick him up. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, get fucking. You're 27 years old, pal. Get a fucking Uber. <laughs> it's like okay, I understand. You probably haven't got your car here if you just got off a plane from, you know, from London where you've been playing Saracens. But just get a fucking Uber, mate. Yeah. Don't go get your mum and dad to come and get you. That's just you're or throwing just like, away go, any kind of moral high ground there. I'd go go to a hotel down the road, just anything. <laughs> I'm gonna, can you imagine him just sit, sleeping in his childhood bedroom with like posters of Gregor Townsend all over the wall and just ripping them down, cry hot tears running down his cheeks as he throws all of his 
it's it's punching them up and doing like keepy up yeah. yeah he's got his he's got his lamp shaped like a fucking thistle and he's throwing it in the bin and it's just all really just sad yeah, so that's basically, exactly what happened. That's exactly said, what happened. As yeah. I've said before, I think I said this last week, like that stag do I went on in Newcastle once, nobody comes out of this looking no. very good. No, and the more people talk not. about it, the worse they all look. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and the way that they're now dealing with it by everybody just doing public statements is yeah. definitely not the way to go either. But yeah, we'll see. So effectively, the Six Nations is, is over for Finn Russell, I think, and it is over for Johnny Gray for entirely different reasons. Self-harm also... for entirely different reasons. Over what I did in Vansong Rattes, who's broken his ankle. Oh, has he broken his ankle? Oh, that's a shame. Well, given that his ankle looked like a that. knotted bit of string, that doesn't really surprise does, me, yeah. to be honest. But, uh, no, I'm amazed he survived this long. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, he's, he's gone. That's so. a shame. He's been good. He's been good, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what else I've enjoyed. I'll tell you what, speak, going back to the, before we finish on the Finn Russell thing, one thing I did enjoy about this was uh, this situation appears... Has anyone noticed how Super Gavin Ensign has turned into a bit of a fucking oh. Twitter Norse on the, during the Six Nations? Such uh, an arsehole. He had a pop at Nick Tomkins, didn't he? He had a pop at Nick Tomkins, which was out of order, but then he was having a go at senior player groups, which he claimed on Twitter normally consists of the most unskillful, high-body fat percentage, double standards type of guys, but boy, can they talk a good game, feel your pain, Finn. Which I and mean, Finn liked there's, it. there's and Finn, did Finn like it? Oh, good yeah. lad. And then also, I'm sure it was him, that. Also, then Carl Ferns was basically like, "Yeah, they're also great at saying yes to anything that a coach says." Hashtag yes, men. Which like, <laughs> Carl Ferns is absolute quality on Twitter. In fairness, indeed. But the best part of that was then fucking Peter Stringer ch- chiming in with the you boys friends again now then, <laughs> which honestly. I've been delighted by this. This is the best thing that's happened in rugby this weekend, certainly for me. It um, is funny so yeah. how many like pro and recently ex-pro rugby players you get on Twitter just joining in normal conversations. It's great. And just absolutely just fucking savage everything that they blandly talked up while they were professional athletes. Yeah. yeah. This is like when Yap anyway. Stam referred to the Neville brothers as busy cunts in his autobiography, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Honestly, one of the best descriptions ever. <laughs> but without without saving it for like you know an exclusive autobiography, just putting it all out there on Twitter. While he was still playing for United, basis. I think as well with the yeah. Appstam, which is quite funny. <laughs> um. Right then, any more news? I, well, my favourite thing about that was after he called them busy cunts in his autobiography. I remember seeing a news article which just said. Yapstam clarifies his busy cunts comment. It was like, how <laughs> how do you need to clarify that? I never read it. And it's like you it's called them busy clear. cunts, mate. It's very very and clear. It's like you wrote it in your own book and you chose to use yes. that phrase. What clarification do you need? <laughs> oh. Right then. So, any more uh, news? Uh, no, nah. yeah, I don't. There probably so, is yeah. loads of news to be honest, but yeah, yeah. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, to get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, 
the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Uh, right then, shall we talk about the weekend? Such as I've it was. really been it's trying to avoid it if it's all the same to you. Right then, you two must have plenty to say about Wales versus Ireland, so I'm just going to rev you up and sit back here. I think I've... Go on then, well, Josh might make me insane. I think I'm slightly calmer. Yeah, I've kind of, you know, as with anything was, else, I've I've just got over it I, now. Yeah, I was cranky on Worst Saturday. Worst things happen to see. Yeah, I, I was, was grumpy. Yeah, I was, at I was the very snarky. Of the, I was grumpy at the manner of Wales's performance, but whatever, I'm over it now. Um, well, I, I, I do, however, back th- as well. Did yeah. you? And. I yeah, had absolutely I mean, no desire to watch anything that I saw this weekend with a, in the game. With, yeah, <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, the games. I was completely unwilling to rewatch the other two, but I tried to make myself to watch the Wales Island one just like to make myself be reasonable. Um, and there's loads of stuff that is bad, but I kind of feel like the defence is too narrow because we're putting two men into the breakdown. Like, Sam was going to sort that out for the next round. And I think when you've got a rookie. 13 against someone like Ireland and you've got George North having a stinker and your other good winger goes off quite early and then your good fly off goes off after like 41 minutes like it's not good I think it was- it's not as bad as the first half isn't as bad as the second and by the second a lot of shit is it's kind of falling off you know the it was the sheer and- error count that I couldn't really get to like grips with was how badly particularly you know the first half they didn't they played badly but they were at least still in touch in the second half it was an absolute fucking shit show of just stupid errors compounding stupid errors and i honestly thought wales were past that and i think that was the thing one of the most frustrating things for me was just like I, I I don't think that Ireland were comprehensively better than Wales on the weekend, but yeah. I don't think that they really had to try that hard. It was like a six out of ten performance in almost all facets of the game, except maybe the breakdown when they were very good. Yeah, uh, like they absolutely Wales, deserve to win, but they didn't, yeah, they'd have to work very hard for it. No, I think that's the thing that pissed me off and probably pissed you off and pissed. The, that's why I think yeah. the vitriol has been so scathing. Is that yeah, people are right in saying that you know. Wales have gone to Ireland under Gatland and Edwards and got their pants pulled down a couple of times as well. But I think we didn't often see a performance that generous and that just untroubling for the opposition. There was no niggle. There was no, you know, one of the sort of classic, one of the biggest compliments that I think any coach ever says about Wales back in the Gatland era was that they were a fucking nightmare to play against even when yeah. they weren't playing well. And even when you were winning, it was horrible. It was 80 minutes of fucking absolute horrible shit. And I think Wales under, Wales under Byron Hayward is not that anymore. And it's alarming how quickly it's happened. Like, the system was shit last week. It was <clears throat> shit this week. This week, someone bothered to exploit it. Um. I don't understand what the logic is of playing that narrow and leaving their wings exposed against any team with a competent fly-off, really. Like, there was some some rumbling from... 
I don't think it was intentional. I think they just got a bit carried away trying to beat Ireland out of the breakdown and suck too many men in, which was stupid yeah. in and of itself, but I don't... I think that's, And then the defence was kind of too narrow because Tompkins and North didn't kind of move out to... Pivak says that it wasn't... It was weird. Pivak said that it wasn't intentional, but then Tipperick said that they had basically planned to defend that narrow... Because they were trying to, they'd basically been, they'd been taken out by Ireland's tight carries in the past, and so for me the the worrying thing is that there seems to be that level of disconnect, where yeah. and it it seemed at times they were players didn't know what they were doing in the system, and they were flying out of the line. Some players were flying out of the line. Some players were staying in. Some players were drifting. Some players were holding. It's like. It's so weird to see a Wales team after 11 years of Sean Edwards look that confused on defence. Yeah, and they did, it's they did look like they just didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, and I know it's a, I know it's a, it's a new system, but I, I just come back to the fact that I don't believe that Byron Hayward's good enough to play to be an international defence coach, and it's still and it. The fact that even Wales and the WIU tried to replace him before he'd even fucking coached a game is all the evidence I need that things are are not ideal in that situation. And I hope I'm, you know, I hope I'm wrong and I hope that it's just teasing problems. But I just look at that and I just think, how are you? You're not getting your messages across. You've had, you know, including the training camps, you've had like a month now to get your system installed and the team still is defending like they haven't got a clue what they're doing. Either it's too complicated, it's too disjointed, or players just don't believe in it and don't trust it. And that's what it looked like on Saturday to me almost, was that they don't trust this defensive system that Hayward was trying to put in because it seemed at times like they were reverting to trying to do... Some of them were trying to revert to doing what the Edwards type thing and others were sort of doing something totally different. And that, for me, worries me big style going forward. But, you know... Two the, games, the Jordan Lama trial is an interesting one because I, when I was watching it, of course, I think most people, and I was included, when you first watch it, you think, what the fucking hell are you doing in defence there? And then when I watched it again, you know, I, I think I think Topkin, Tompkins overcommitted a bit on it. But, I mean, Lama put in a hell of a step there and then it didn't have very far to go after that. Do you know, I, I think and I'm not saying that, I'm not, I'm not refuting what you're saying, Josh. I'm just, I just, I'm just reflecting the, second, the fact that... The second tackle for me, the follow-up tackle for me there was the issue. It's like, I, I can yeah. live with a two-cap centre flying out the line and, you know, he got the hit on his man, he just didn't get him down. What I have a problem with is that nobody else fucking nailed him with a second-up tackle, which is something that would have happened, you know, six months ago. I don't yeah. believe that Wales would have been that circumspect out wide. Because scramble defence was always the thing that they were very that they were the best at, if anything, and that's that's a big worry for me is that Wales so often lived and died by how good that scramble defence was and how good they were at sort of basically keeping impossible situations from turning into tries just through fucking hard work, and it doesn't look like oh. the system is doing that anymore. I guess that's partly because it's not, it's not going to be the system anymore. I think no. part of the reason why I'm not madly panicked about it is, yeah, it's the second game. There are going to be teething problems. I think arguably 
we showed a little bit too much ambition in attack for that kind of game and it would have made more sense to me to have been very slightly more conservative about it because I think we made a lot of mistakes in attack as well that were kind of unforced. Um, yeah, we just we gave but, up points basically, didn't we? Through yeah, we just we weren't anywhere near clinical enough. And I think you know, could we have guessed that it would be difficult to do that as a storm approaches in Ireland against an angry, embarrassed Irish team? Probably. Yeah. That's, yeah, I that's think that's one thing that for me. One thing that hasn't been spoken about at all, actually, is you know, this is the first. Okay, we had the games in the Six Nation in the warmer games of the World Cup, but nobody gave a fuck about those. This was the first competitive match against Wales where Ireland had a chance to make a point about everything that yeah. happened in Cardiff <clears throat> last year, and, yes. and they, were they were fucking pumped up for it. it. Yeah, and I just, I think Wales. I don't want to say that they don't look up for it anymore, but they don't. They look like there's a definite post Gatland hangover of they're not entirely, you know, and it's understandable. You get, you know, Warren Gatland is the best fucking rugby coach in the world. Sean Edwards is the best defence coach Amen. in the world. However, however good things end up being under Wayne Pivak, you're gonna to have to do pretty fucking well to get anywhere near to what Gatland is as a coach and as a motivator and somebody that can maintain that motivation over a long period of time. And I think it's yeah. genuinely going to be a big culture change amongst the Wales camp to sort of not have that, you know, best coach in the world in their back. You know, no, they. I think I always feel like Wales used to go into games with confidence because they knew that they were better coached than the opposition. I just don't... Th- you know, if that is going to con- con- something that's going to happen again, it's going to take a while before I think the players believe it. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that you can also yeah. start to think that this is systemic when it isn't. Coincidentally, I think I, I got. I, I think this is probably Aaron Wainwright's worst, worst game, game for Wales. For yes, Wales? Quite, yeah, you know, yeah probably his worst game I for agree. Wales. I'm not saying that's his fault. Everyone has a shit game every now and again, but it's interesting yeah. that you know there was. Was it, I'm not saying that there was a performance what it was because Aaron Wainwright played badly, but it just it's indicative of, of a lot of things that have gone well and not going quite so. I mean, J- Justin Tipperick did his fucking level best in this to do Honestly, Justin to do everything. Did not deserve to be on the losing team. Bloody no, well. he absolutely didn't. Fuck me, he was incredible. But he was, yeah. You can you put that. And neither did Alan Wynn. He was, you know, basically doing everything. Twenty-two tackles. But then that. you look around. You look around. You know, Dan Bigger was fucking absolutely everywhere as well. But then you look around and you look at. And Hadley Parks as well probably had his best game for Wales since like that first run of games that he had uh, when he first got half, capped. I think, yeah. Yes, not so much in the first half. It's hard in the first half because, because Wales at... had the ball for about 48 seconds in the first well, half. Well, yeah, yeah, that was another thing. I was thinking this. He's surely the defensive captain in that line when John Davis isn't there. Yeah. yeah. So Wales spent the entire half defending. You expect your defensive captain to be the one who stands up and your most experienced player in the back line. Which is, yeah, that's fair. I suppose you could say half and everybody's a bit it's, far back. Like Park should have been bigger in you, that first half for me. Yeah, I think that he's not. I think I, I've got a horror. Like I, I think Hadley Parks is a fine player. I think he's done well for Wales at times. I think Johnny McNichol is a fine player. I just start. I'm starting to think that maybe these players didn't get into the All Blacks teams for a reason you know and I'm not I'm not I'm not sort of saying that they're not up to international standard but I'm just saying that there are clear 
weaknesses and limitations to their games that mean that they are where they are. And I think I like Parks, but I think he's about six years too late to the international scene. He's also got really the pace of the a best pump of card. Yeah, which is a problem when you've got you know opposite you've got Bundyaki who's quick, and you've got Robbie Henshaw Shaw who's quick. And they're both. He's not lying, I'm sure, but he's quick enough, and he's he's quick. He's yeah. he's surprisingly quick for a man of his size. And you've yeah. got up against him, you know, Hadley Parks, who is statuesque, and Johnny McNichol, who is not nearly as quick as I think we all hoped he'd be at Test level. Um, certainly compared to when you take Josh Adams off and you put him on, you really notice the yeah. speed difference. Wales, it was a backline that just looked quite ponderous. Which doesn't seem it was a backline that worked hard and was skillful, but it didn't really have any. The, the brief flashes of the off, the offloading game were nice. Yes, but again, I agree. and I think symptomatic of what they're trying to put in, it was one offload too many too often. And yeah. I think that's yeah. about you but know the, the starts of moves were quite good. I would say I think <clears throat> you look at it in that game, yeah, and it wasn't good. But you look at it long term. Obviously, yeah, nobody, I think that's true. You, obviously, you don't have everyone fit all the time. The Wales especially don't have everyone fit all the time. But you look at it long term. Would Parks be starting if John Davis were fit? I reckon probably not. Actually, I reckon we'd try and bring through one of the options at twelve and trust Foxy to take care of things. You put Liam Williams in that team, and all <laughs> of a sudden, it looks a lot more exciting in the back line. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what happens next game when Owen Watkins fit. The common sense, you know, if it was Warren Gatland, it would 100% be Owen Watkin and Hadley Parks at 12 and 13. But I think the, the reality... Around, you mean? We, uh, I would play yeah, Owen I, Watkin at 12 and Hadley Parks at 13, but I don't think anyone else I, I would too, I would too, but Gatland would play it. Gatland <laughs> would absolutely definitely play, play Owen Watkin at, Owen Watkin at 13. <laughs> yeah, of course yeah. he would. And Owen Watkin is absolutely not a 13. Like, no. Gatland is smaller than we are, though, so... He is, but you know what he wants from a thirteen is defensive solidity. What everyone yeah. else wants from a thirteen is running. High time. And yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued to see if part if Pivac goes with, with Watkin and Tompkins as twelve and thirteen because I honestly think that as a twelve and thirteen combination, is a, one that Wales could potentially have for a very long time, if they're allowed to develop together. However. I think- on, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we need to talk about Ireland, who won the game. Well, I think it's interesting. I think we were talking about Wales. We were talking about Wales sort of doing their attacking, you know, developing their attacking game plan and sort of trying to do too much with it. I think what I really got from Ireland and what you can see under Ireland under Cat and Farrell is it feels very different to the Schmidt era, but the learning curve is nowhere near as steep as the learning curve that Pivac's trying to impose on Wales. Like yeah. the pod shape is very different. Um, there's a lot more offloading, and they're not kicking nearly as much. And when they are kicking, they're kicking a lot more accurately. It sort of feels like an evolution more than a revolution, and that's that's probably what's enabled them to click quite quickly because they looked very, very dangerous and very intricate in terms of their attacking pattern mm. on Saturday, and particularly when Murray was in the mood that he was in, and you know. It Sexton was in the mood that he was in. When those two players both hit their straps, you know, we all know how good they are. Yeah. They haven't been that good for about two years. That's probably the best I've seen those two play together since the last time they probably beat the All Blacks, really. 
And in general, my take on Ireland was, were any of the players bad? Because I don't remember any of them being bad at all. No, I don't think anybody played badly. all really good. Yeah. (laughs) Some of them were better than others. You must have been delighted, Josh, at Keith Earls' magnificent (laughs) midfield pass. Well, he comes on and puts puts on a beautiful pass. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the mood that Ireland were in on the weekend, though. You know, you had Robbie Henshaw out of position at 13, looking fucking really good. Banging, he was really yeah. good. Which and he playing better at thirteen than I've ever seen him play out away from the twelve jersey. All to Nick Tompkins's uh, international rugby nightmares came true at once in that first half, didn't they? Really? Yeah, Henshaw looked for Ireland like he looked for Connacht. Yes, that, yeah, yeah. That kind of really, not just a really big player, but a really skillful player. I feel like he's player. lost. I feel like he's lost a bit of weight, you know, because he didn't look. He doesn't look as big. You know, obviously, he's still a fucking massive man, but he looked lean in the way that you remember when Jamie Roberts was, you know, used to turn up on Lions tours looking about fucking six or seven kgs lighter than he did for Wales and was mm. brilliant. <laughs> That's kind of how he, like, I feel like when he's playing 12, or when he was playing 12 under Schmidt at least. He was maybe carrying a little bit too much timber and he lost a little bit of that burst. But he seems to have trimmed down a bit this year and he's yeah. got that acceleration that is fucking scary when it's a man that big doing the acceleration. I think I'm and as you say, Tomkins literally and metaphorically hungry in that. Yeah, I, I was gonna pick sure. up a similar point to that. I think that um under Schmidt in the last six months in particular and in the World Cup, Ireland started to look small and I don't mean literally small there was there was a smallness about them they look diminished yeah that's the better word thank you they were a bit diminished weren't they and there is something about under Farrell now they seem to their back seems to be straightening and the shoulders are going back again Mm. and there's this you know and I mean that literally and metaphorically as well in that they suddenly feel bigger and like they believe in themselves a little bit more. And sometimes it really is just that simple, isn't it? That somebody like him turns up and just forget everything that's happened because this is how fucking good you are. And we're going to start working on these things, like you said, Josh, this evolution mm. thing. And then go out there and fucking do it because you're still fucking brilliant. And, and I think people it- have taken the piss out of Farrell the last couple of weeks of his whole like, oh, we're going to play music in training and we're just going to be a bit more relaxed as though that's... I'm going to make you enjoy your workspace again. Can you imagine the madness? Yeah, the the horror. And it's like, like, when you said this before, I've said this before, those players are good. They were good for a reason. They just needed a little bit of like, you know what? That team is absolutely stocked with Lions for a reason. Yeah. You know? And soon to be Lions. And soon to be Lions, yeah. Although we won't be picking any of them. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They'll all be playing 13, including the props. (laughs) <laughs> the, 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 and yeah, and I remember he, after the game, after the Scotland game, which you know they were touching on winning for a little while, and Farrell said in his post match interview, he said, I asked them this week to stand for something. And I think they, you know, coming out of that game, they, they stood for something, they stood for grit and determination and stuff. Mm. And that kind of shit goes across really well. And then on Monday morning, you can pick that up again, can't you? So you stood for something. So this week, we're going to stand for something else, we're going to stand for you know, owning our own house again and all that kind of stuff. And it all sounds quite trite and, you know, you can roll your eyes at it, but that's what you need after you've spent 12 months with somebody going, you were stood four inches too far to the left on that move. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would say... And also that, not the getting issue anything with that, out of that. Still being beaten yeah. despite that. And still losing. 
I would say the it's issue right with that is that there is a very there's a, yeah, and there's a very finite amount of time where that sort of cool new supply teacher vibe works, and it does work. Like you say, you know, mm. giving people something clear to focus on, and in, you know, inspiring them and driving them towards you know clear goals and letting them relax a little bit and all of that stuff works. It won't work in a year's time. Unless no, he's fucking I... superhumanly good at motivating people. And that that's why they they kind of need to click now so that they can build their self-belief back up and maybe win the Six Nations or at very least have a very good Six Nations, have a good autumn. Because by this time, you know, if he's talking... If this time next year he's talking about owning a house and standing for something, they'll be like, all right, whatever. <laughs> because right. they're humans. They're human beings. Yeah. And... You, you no, you know, you're not going to show, be shown the same card trick twice and not for, and buy it as, as convinced, convincingly the first, second time around. That's just human nature. I don't, I don't think though that I get the distinct impression from what everyone says about Andy Farrell that the cool supply teacher vibe is because he knows that's what's needed, not because he yeah, at yeah, heart yeah. is a cool supply teacher. He's a cool I think supply that's teacher. No, not what Andy Farrell is. He's very much the opposite. <laughs> He's very, very of a cool supply that. teacher. Yeah, and I think once he's sort of yes, yeah, once he's got a bit more, just kind of confidence back into them. And Imagine a bit if he more... was your supply yeah. teacher, you tried to fuck about in the first five minutes, and he like he smashed oh. your hands in the desk, and then that was <laughs> yeah, that was that's, that. that's that's his natural <laughs> default. I think. She'd be like, yeah, she'd be like detention for a year. <laughs> like, just yeah. And, I, and that entire detention would be spent with me staring at you. Yeah. No. The. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that vibe's going to last for very long. I think he'll just whip him into shape no. a bit and then be like, right, now the real work right. begins, yeah. lads. That yes, was fun. exactly. And I, that, is the, that is obviously the plan. The, the trick is to actually get it to To stick. do it, yeah. Yeah. So, I um, were better the, everywhere, we have, weren't they? I think that's the conclusion. Absolutely. Yeah. Every facet yeah. of the game, they were better. Um, Up front, we have a can we have a little word about TMO and refing in general being an absolute fucking shambles? I want shambles. to see the inside of Roman Poit's head. My God, Christ the Saturday, right? Hadley parks his fingers, never leave the ball as clear downward pressure. He's lost control. Sunday, Stuart Hogg sort of falls on the ball and he's and ref says he's grounded right. it. Point of like, order: If the yeah. ball's in your hand, the law doesn't mention downward pressure. It says you have to place the ball with your hand. So we've and I, so this is not me disagreeing with you, Josh. I was clarifying that point. He, yeah. So even less than he the downward pressure thing, yeah. he just needs to have the ball still in his hand and then place it on the floor. I'll be honest. What I is the definition of hand? I didn't think it was a try. But See, I didn't think it was. <laughs> but somebody from behind, <laughs> somebody from behind said that you could see daylight as it was going down, and I didn't see that replay. And I'm not a chance. There's no again, fucking daylight. I couldn't see any daylight. So then it comes, because what, what the law says, you have to be holding the ball in your hand and you have to place it down. So the question becomes then, how are you defining holding? And I would say, for <laughs> me, I would say, if the ball is still in contact with your hand as you place it down, you can you can probably say that you're holding the ball yeah. and you placed it. But other people disagreed. Most people actually seem to think it wasn't a try. And obviously, Ree, you've got that view as well. Well, because yeah, but also my like thought was, didn't Wales got shafted out of an actual try two years ago in a very similar way, Gareth Anscombe at Twickenham yeah, don't get when me the started. referee yeah. got it wrong and then came out. It wasn't exactly the same law that the referee came out. They were like, yeah, yeah, you got it wrong, sorry. Which I'm not one of those people who believes you can blame the referee for losing a game. You've got to have more than one bad decision, blah, blah, blah. 
But I did look at it and think I pretty fucking big decision, tried, though, wasn't it? But yeah, but yeah, but also didn't we didn't we get shafted on one of these not that long ago? Could we not yeah. like sods get a bit of good karma on that? Yeah. Well, and, and then on the flip side of it. Ireland's Mall Try awarded with no clear, no clear view of the ball, and, uh, and I didn't quite, get that liter- one, yeah. literally says, "I don't have a clue," <laughs> and then goes, "But on then on field decision is a try." It's like, hang on, mate, which one of those have you got? Either you've got a fucking clue, pal, or you haven't got a clue, and it's try yes or no. See, I've got quite a little bit it of respect just... for the fact that he just went. I think it's a try. Because I'm forever saying that ref have, shouldn't shit out. So I don't mind. I have normally, but I think it helps if you don't go, well, I ain't got a fucking clue what's happened here, but I'm going to say it's a try. Yeah, commit, at least That's, fully fully commit to your call. At least say, don't I think I know what's going on here. Just say, I don't know what the fuck's going on here, but I'm just going to make it, just going to decide it's a try arbitrarily because I want it to be. Because <laughs> giggles. It's, yeah. Because, yeah, for, you know, ultimately didn't have a, bearing on the ultimate result it might have but i just all we ask is a bit of fucking consistency and common sense and it honestly feels like I, see I, my I, view was that as, soon, I was as, watching... as soon as the ball touches the ground it's no longer a maul so unless yep. he just reaches out and places it then it's either a double movement or you've been pushed along the ground by your mates to score and that's not allowed either yeah, and the ball so even if you, the ground. So, and then you couldn't really see the ground in either. So a combination of the fact it looks like you stopped there, and then your mates pushed you, and then we can't really see the ground in. So I don't understand how you can give so, that. But so, then... so so try. It's just <laughs> it's so stupid that that's where we. And I I was what it was a moment where I was watching Andrew Brace referee international rugby game on Sunday afternoon, and I was struck by a deep and overwhelming fear of what international rugby refereeing is is now because Wayne Barnes is done Nige is not long for this world like, is Wayne Barnes done because didn't his wife say he hasn't officially retired yet is he not officially he he's said he was going to retire game, after the rugby world cup he has, yeah, yeah he didn't have any backed and, out on it a bit he just isn't doing this I mean thing, I hope he doesn't because there's there were precious few like there are precious few good international caliber referees in the world and the ones that are left are not going to be around for more than about 18 months and then we're left with Andrew Brace referee in the international rugby game and I do Roman think that Platt Ro- probably being the, the most senior referee left in world rugby it's equally hat stand with every decision he makes it just so happens yeah I, I think there's, the a, one. there's a glorious well, consistency to Platt's inconsistency in some ways and you and you know Matthew Reynolds exactly the same. It's just like he doesn't. I, I almost hate that more than I hate, obviously, like biased or sort of one side favoring decisions. Because it's like if you can't make consistent decisions, you shouldn't be refereeing at the top level. But the fact is, we haven't got anyone else left, and I'm genuinely just looking at it thinking, "Fuck me, this game is going to be an absolute shit show in a couple of years," unless. There's some I mean, dramatic improvement from let, the refs that we've got left. Honest, we all fucking loved it when Poit turned that penalty round in the Lions. But to this day, I'm still going, what the fucking hell were you doing there? I don't think yeah, anybody I'm, understands what he was doing. Even Sam Walton thinks it was It wrong. was hilarious, but it was absolute <laughs> nonsense. But it, yeah, so. it sure had absolutely never happened. And that whole stuff... I'm genuinely just a little bit like, fucking hell. We've got. There's a couple. There's a couple of good ones whose names I've had to look up in case I got them wrong. 
but I think Luke Pierce. Luke Pierce is promising. And Nick Berry. Luke Pierce is pretty decent. Nick Berry's pretty promising. He's the Aussie guy. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the two. Those are the t- like those are the two that I've genuinely pinned all my hopes on because otherwise it's Ben ha- Whitehouse and Andrew Brace forever. I don't I think mind Angus, Angus Gardner. Getting better as well. I don't mind yeah, him. I think he's I know got a lot, lot of people better. give him a lot of shit, but I don't mind him. I think you were a bit iffy. Early I can on. live with him, and actually he's been all right the last couple of years. And CJ Stander just has yeah, that knack of, right. of, of nobody fucking pinging him really. Yeah, some players just just have it, don't they? Club. Some players just have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the McCaw thing, and he's he's sort of. He's grown into it this tournament, I feel, just like he's really taken I really can't stand him of the forwards. Oh, he's awful. <laughs> it's he's all absolutely... that crowing and braying that he does and stuff. It does my head in. Anyway. Well, yeah. I team, mean it's though. the Mar- it's Oh god, it's yeah. It's the Atoji yeah. factor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. when you're watching him either as a neutral or as an opposition fan, you absolutely detest him. Yeah. But he's a fucking he's on good your player. Size. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we talk about the uh the magnificent fucking squall of Murrayfield. Does anything need to be said about that? The I mean, to, game... what I will say is, is that it's just incredibly. I think it's unfair to try and judge this game by anything resembling normal rugby standards. Yeah, I agree. Same. Because it, that, the weather was such such a wild card that. And 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 yet, in spite of it all, both sides still conspired to be more incompetent than they had any right to be. <laughs> It were astonishingly like, like it was like, it was impossible England, whether to play, but they seemed like they were trying to prove that. Yeah. Rather than the opposite. It was like, look, look how bad off. this is. Yes. Look how shit we're doing. Like, England played rugby in that game for roughly four minutes and spent the rest of it just comedically fucking up to agree that a degree that honestly, even I as somebody that despises England was getting frustrated by. Yeah. I, well, yeah, like, yeah. When they just kept ki- When they just kept kicking it out on the full. I was just like, I genuinely losing my mind. It's just like you're still doing it. Why? How are you still doing it? Why are you kicking furious. this ball sixty meters in the air, two meters from the touchline when there's a fourteen, force fourteen game? Just kick it down the middle. Kick it down the middle. Just kick it down the yes. fucking middle, you stupid twats. <laughs> I'm and yet, beyond furious that Ben Young's finally got dropped, and then Willie Hines was that dumb. That ben Young's that. came on and was better. Yeah. I'm incandescent with Ben Wish. Young's was like fucking Jesus when he came on. It was he, was so, <laughs> he was so sensible. <laughs> and yet, in spite of that, Scotland absolutely and resolutely refused to stop hoofing themselves in the bollocks. And <laughs> yeah. not did not even slightly capitalise on the constant territory and position that uh, and possession that England were giving them. For like 65 or 70 minutes of this game, England basically handed the ball to Scotland and said, please fucking beat us. And Scotland were just like, yeah, you're right. And even because I said, well, this is a kind of plus 12 point win. This, if, if Scotland don't fucking sort themselves out and score some points, they've got to turn around into this and it's going to be awful. And even then, England just went, yeah, I know you're playing into the win now, but here, just have the fucking ball back and see if you can do yeah. something with it again. <laughs> yeah, the England kicked worse with savvy. the win than they did without it, with the exception of Owen Farrell, who just basically was in that kind of mood where he's like, right, I'm going to be the only person on this pitch that looks in any way sensible. I think Ford played quite and, well. I was going to say, I thought To be fair, Ford right. didn't do badly either, yeah. And that one kick he, he did, did like, that basically reversed back to him, was genuinely hilarious. So Yeah, was that fucking... was... And, and not his fault. I don't think you no, can really be blamed for that. It's like a that. fucking Jimmy White special with the bloody cue ball. It was incredible. I thought he did, a lot, he did a lot of other stuff as well, actually. Like, he covered in the backfield loads to help out Furbank, and he was, like, 
obsessively like pepping everyone up and he did kind of step up didn't he yeah yeah. maybe he was just trying to keep warm by running around more (laughs) I think it's entirely (laughs) possible he did run around a lot trying to help out can we just say can we have some sympathy please for anybody playing wing on Saturday and I don't just mean that game anybody at any level of rugby who was on the wing on Saturday you are the true (laughs) soldiers of our sport because we honestly looked like he'd actually gone on an expedition to the Arctic to try and, like, sort out some sort of diplomatic mission and got lost. It was just... He fucking worked his balls off, though. Even though he barely touched the ball, Johnny May was fucking up and down that wing. Yeah, but he absolutely... Like, every kick, he was chasing it hard and long, and you could not say the same for 50% of the Scottish wings. And, like... I don't want. We, I feel like we've spent a lot of this podcast fucking dunking on how fucking shambolic Scottish rugby is at the moment already. But like, what's happened? It is though. Twelve months ago, right? Scotland were a team that could score tries for fun, and even in that weather, were a team that backed their skills and backed their, you know, ability to sort of basically hold on to possession and ultimately turn it into points and tries. And they were exceptionally good at doing it, and. Honestly, they've had two games where they've had all the possession, all the territory, and they have done absolutely fuck all with it, and it's so weird. I blame that I new massive all be... fucking badge on their shirt. <laughs> That's got to <laughs> fucking have some be... kind of repercussions, surely. Well, it I can't think all ironically, be Russell. Townsend is... No, because I think it's... That fight that he that Russell and Townsend had last year was about... I think Finn was right. About how their like kicking game wasn't working. But I think yeah. the last, you know, that end of the Six Nations and all through the Rugby World Cup, Townsend was trying to be, and now, he's trying to be a bit more sensible and impose a bit of a framework and something that's a bit less yeah. free-for-all in attack, which is not, like, the worst idea. And now he's tried to add, like, some sort of more carrying in the forwards and... Logically, I could see what he might be trying to do with all of those things, but it really does not seem to be working. And you can look at this two ways for me. You can look at it and say, isn't this fucking awful? But I said on Saturday and on Twitter, I said that, you know, I, I will never not be amazed by the myriad ways they find to fuck up their Honestly, attacks. Honestly, it was however, remarkable how much, yeah. However, what, would you, what situation would you rather be in? Would you rather be in a situation where you are never in that position and you're getting humped because you're completely powder puff? Or do you think, well, we're at least fucking putting ourselves there. This is infuriating, but surely that can be fixed. Surely that can be fixed. I think that's the stance you take if you hadn't had four years of Vern Cotter, Mm. who did fix a lot of those things. Like, if they'd never had Vern, I think you'd look at that and be quite positive about it, and you'd see what Townsend was doing it. But as it is, you're just like, well, it's just still not as good as what we had under Vern. 71% territory second half, by the way, Scotland have. And still managed to lose the half. In that weather Honestly. as well. So actually, you were making England play. Sorry, yeah, they were making England play from in their own half most of the time, is what that says. Yeah. Can I just say that um, as much as the weather was unplayable, and I think and virtually unplayable, and a lot of people have said it was, can we just please just give, give some unbelievable credit to Jamie George and George Cruis, by the way? Yeah. Who somehow managed to fucking job. actually Honestly. make a, wi- a, a line out function. In a tundra, basically. Yeah. Which was considerably was better than that because it numbered it. I was going to well, say, compared to what Scotland were doing. And exactly, you look at Scotland and kind of go, 
well, you know, fair enough, the conditions. Well, actually, no, because the other guy's managing to do it. And actually, and he, he readjusted himself, George. He had a couple of early bad ones and then kind of went, right, I, whatever yeah, it is he, he did, he managed himself. to sort it. But also, Scotland won a lot of their line-outs and then proceeded to immediately fuck it up even when they got the ball. Oh, is that, yeah, yeah. Like, even Oof, when they honestly. even when they technically won the line-out, they were terrible immediately afterwards. They did lose... They did, they did win it. They only won 11 game. of 19, Scotland. And then the ones they did win... As of those said. eleven, I'm reckoning eight. Of those eight, the managers would have just later. stuck a knife in the ball and dropped the trousers or something. <laughs> it was, it was. I thought Wales's lineup was was distressing at times, but Scotland's made me feel a lot better about myself. It's one of the you sort know. of with England aside and maybe Ireland aside as well. Bad lineouts are quite I've a theme, a theme in the Six Nations. Yeah. Mm. Not so much, not so much teams missing lineouts because, like the the stats don't look that badly. It's what teams are doing after they win their lineouts. It's a lot of dropping balls on the floor or making stupid errors or getting turned over at malls. And I just that it's a, obviously the, there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's just a weird facet of everybody but England and Ireland's lineouts in this tournament. I think some teams, certainly Wales, and I think maybe France, are trying to do different, more exciting mm. things with it. Like Wales have definitely used Tipperick as yeah, they've used first a lot receiver more. off the line out instead of, but also just they've taken him out of the line out a few times. Yeah, and he, and he was one of Wales' and used him as most like a reliable line out jumpers. Yeah. And I and like so I that. Think, I... I think, yeah, some of it's innovation that's just taken a a while to bed in, but some of it is straight up incompetence. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just what are you doing? Um. So it's hard to yeah. judge anything. I mean, Tom Curry played we... better. Tom Curry played Tom better. Cur- <clears throat> he was a lot better. Yeah. It was almost. I think he played better because Sam Underhill played like a fucking psychopath. Didn't he just. It he did I said last week that Sam Hunnell had his first middling game. You know, nothing much to say about it mm. in the game against. Um, he against absolutely went out there and put a point. He like, how many times can you say that Hamish Watson basically did fuck all in a game? Mm. Yeah, because he, I barely heard his name mentioned on Sunday, and it was primarily because every time he got the ball, Sam Underhill was up like a fucking exocet and smashed him. It was. I think there's. Um... I wrote a similar thing about this, like around the World Cup, about how David Pocock doesn't work as a as as a six the way he used to work as an eight, and the reason he worked so well as an eight is because Scott Fardy was a total machine at six, yeah. and that's what gave that back row the balance it needed for Hooper to go mm. off and like hang around the wide channels like a show pony, and I think that sounds mean. I think Hooper's brilliant, but you know, uh, and I think England have a similar thing there, like. Curry can do the job that Eddie Jones wants him to do at eight if Underhill is having that kind of monstrous sort of game and Ludlam's there yeah. to pick up the extra kind of grunt work. And it just mm. didn't work with Laws because he's not that kind of player. No. And I don't Although really I think understand I would be wary, why did that with Laws. I'd be wary of any combination that expects a player to basically have a nine out of ten every week. And I still think... Well, that. yeah, but I, it's more I think it's the type of player. Like, Underhill can play like mm. that if he knows that He's got Ludlam or Ben Earl or someone to do the other stuff. I've, I like can't really what, be what little, to do that. What little bits we saw Earl of Earl on the weekend looked promising and very dynamic. He looks tidy enough, yeah. Yeah, but then that doesn't shock me because that's how he's looked with Saracens all season. 
Yeah, so not light up the championship to... next year. Hey, there's not, <laughs> there's not much else to say, I don't think, really, because it was just, I mean, England ground out the win. Ellis Genge mm-hmm. did Ellis Genge things after the game and got far too carried away. But it was, uh, it was, it was just, I, I like Ellis Genge a lot. I, I like him as well. Yeah, me too. He just, he just did Ellis, yeah. Ellis Genge things. It was, in a way, it was, I found the game both fascinating and hilarious. I think you see these games so few and far between where the conditions are so fucking awful that you can't help but marvel at them trying to deal with it, even when they're doing it badly. It's, and it's just kind of like, fucking hell, look at state of this. So, this is... It's sort of fun because it kind of reduces elite athletes to what yeah. I would be like on a normal rugby field when <laughs> yes. it was like 25 yeah. degrees and sunny. And it's like, forget your fucking... Like, it makes me feel a bit better. Yeah, Whatever yeah. fucking attacking pattern you think you might be running... Fucking forget it. You fucking ain't, pal. Yeah. Yeah. This is basically all about fucking desire and trying to stay warm. Yeah. So get on with it. Yeah. (laughs) There was was a bit of me, though, quite early on, was like, don't you wish you had a roof, lads? (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, you could have a roof that then people wouldn't let you close and you could just choose to play in this kind of way. It feels very rude. I was in Murrayfield a couple of years ago. It feels very rudimentary now. That stage. I liked it. It's yes. got a nice atmosphere about it, but it's it got, is, it's got its own charm. It's noticeably rudimentary. Like like all the drinks concessions is not in the stadium because they're all outside in trucks. Because you just go up and onto the concourse and into the ground. There's no yeah, and you're there. That's it. Yeah, that's you and only go into the concourse gaps to get to your yeah. seat. Yeah. And there are enough gaps and holes that the wind will blow through <laughs> it like a motherfucker. Yes, as it yeah, did. It, can't have been, it cannot have been fun to be a spectator at that game. Respect to all of no. those people who stayed to the end. Absolutely. But not the ones that threw their fucking plastic fucking human Johnny wrappers on the fucking pitch, because that was annoying. Yeah. I think like, some of them might have just been blown straight off. I, d- I did wonder how much of them were just, you know... How much of it was littering taking... and how much yeah. was just the wind, yeah. <laughs> Nature's litter. Nature's um... litter. <laughs> Shall we... Stats, uh, t- please. France. <sighs> Uh, they're some distance I away from this. being the finished article. I, it was a good game. I enjoyed it. But they're nowhere near as good as a lot of people talked them up to be last week. Antoine de Pont um, is. But Antoine, Antoine de Pont, de Pont is. definitely is. And, and they still clearly have the potential to be very, 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 very good indeed. But that discipline in the second half, or in the last, certainly in the last 20 minutes, holy fuck. Yeah, it did like, get out of hand. The stats say they only conceded 10 pens all game, but A, I'm sure that's bollocks, and at least seven of them were in the last, like, between 60 and 70 minutes. One of those was in the first half, (laughs) all the rest. (laughs) It was unbelievable. Like, Sean Edwards must be spitting chicken feathers uh, at 28 missed tackles as well, obviously. But I think, like, this French team are young and they're raw, and, you know, they're going to do things that turn what should have been a comprehensive battering into something that was a bit more fucking fun and harem scarum. But I also think there's... That's why I backed France to win the tournament, not to win a Grand Slam, because I'm not completely insane. Uh, but part of it, to justify my take, was they basically have... Right now, they have no, no real expectations on them. Everything's like mm. they're this amazingly talented bunch of kids... But it's a bunch of kids. We're gonna we're gonna overburden overburden them with horrendous pressure 
in 2022. That's when we're going to come for them. And I think last week, everyone kind of expected them to lose and England were coming in with a kind of big, like, dick-swinging chart and and they played with total freedom because it was like a free hit. And then this mm. week, everyone expected them to spank Italy and they were like, whoa, we don't, we don't really like this. Like... We're not this yeah, it's interesting to, favorites expectations. It's interesting to how now. you know people were expected to put fifty, sixty points on them, and it's interesting to see how they respond. You know, for the certainly for the first twenty, twenty five minutes, it looked like they probably would score thirty, forty were, points, yeah. and then Italy scored and that try. Like, all of a sudden, how many points is it going to be by? Yeah, and ultimately, it was Italy scored that try, and instantly, then it was like, ooh. That's not in the plan. But that's kind of that's kind of what I mean. So I think hopefully in Cardiff, Wales will just be fitter and everything will be delightful. But uh, the next three rounds are going to be games where gosh, the expectation level is going to be a lot lower on them again. They're going to be a lot more dangerous. They're going to be away from home in two of them, in Cardiff and Murrayfield. Yeah. And then they're at, at home that... in Paris to a probably a tournament chase in Ireland. I don't think a Grand Slam. Yeah. So they're going to just have an awful lot more freedom again in those three games to just do whatever the fuck they want and they're not going to be in that position that they were last weekend where it starts going wrong and all of a sudden they're in free fall. And Italy, Italy got some dignity back, didn't they? Italy yes. are better than people think. Yeah. That first try was lovely. Yeah, it was. It really was. They were they were and properly shite last week, but no, they were terrible. And I think that first uh, try was a lot. A of lot what of... They do well, like the carrying, the offloading, getting it out to Benazzi, obviously. But then ultimately, it was the, the undoing them as well because they 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 clearly want to run it from everywhere, and that's admirable, but it doesn't work. If you know, no. not maybe if you're the All Blacks, but even if you're the All Blacks, it doesn't work to run it from everywhere. You've got to fucking kick and play the territory sometimes, and I think too often they were trying to run it, and it just made life easy for France, and they turned what could have actually been a properly seismic result, and ultimately it just sort of was a bit of a fun game where I which, never really felt like Italy were ever going to win. No, which feels a lot like their last game against France, where it looked like yeah. on the fifty-minute mark they were properly in it, and you were starting to cheer them on, and then they just. Can I um, yeah. give some positive notices for a man that we've taken the piss out of uh, quite extensively with good reason? Is it either Tommy Allen or Carlo Canner? It's 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 Car- not Tommy Allen. It's Carlo Canner. Yeah, I thought he was, was Yeah, I think he was very good at, in tw- at twelve. I was in that very sceptical about he him was being t- at 12, very he tidy. Was good. Yeah, and you were right to be so, Rhiannon. But um, yeah, yeah, but, well, yeah. Was, because but... everything we've seen of him as an international fly-off has led me to believe that he absolutely it's completely would completely suggest that, that he shouldn't have done. But yeah. yeah, somehow that turned out all right. Yeah, he played well. I mean, he turned out all right in that game. Yeah, less. Yeah, let's not get carried well, away. We, but we've got to remember, you know, credit where it's due. Yeah, Franco Smith has had two games with this team. You know, Sean Edwards has had two games with this French team. You know, there's. I'd be really interested to see how everyone looks in two weeks' time. Yeah. You know, and especially how... by round five, actually. Actually, no, look, if know, they have to play England in round five, forget that. Yeah. Round four. But like, That's you know, not just not just France, not just not just Italy, but I mean to be honest with you, England and Ireland and England and Scotland don't really count because 
they're not undergoing this sort of massive transition. But certainly Ireland, Wales, Scotland and France, I'll be really intrigued to see what they come out with on the other side of this two-week break of just, you know, being able to properly focus and spend two weeks working on the things that have gone wrong in the first two weeks. Because... Just getting some you, more uh, coach's favourite word, cohesion. Yeah, yeah again, getting some reps under their belt and, you know, understanding the systems that they're playing in hopefully a bit better. It'll be really interesting to see what they come out with on the other side, um, for good or for ill, to be honest. Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. Shall we? That's the weekend. Uh, shall we move on mm. to shit good and finish off this, uh, better this add, nonsense? Yeah. Um, what else? What have we got? I've already mentioned Carlo Cana. Uh, we're going to start with good then. Go on then. That's, that's revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, Mauro Toje. He was at his absolute <laughs> turbo twat best yesterday. <laughs> yes, um, or Saturday, I should say. But um, he was a total bell end. And he was whooping, and he was clapping, and he was shouting, and he was slapping people on the back, and he was fucking brilliant for the entire fucking game as well. And it's just that's what you get from him these days. He's an absolute prick, but he's also one of the best players in the world. <laughs> and when he's on your team, it's great. And when he's on your team, you must absolutely fucking love it. Have you got anything uh, that's good, good for me? me. Good for me is whoever is writing Saracen's press, uh, Racing 92's press releases. Woof. Yes. Oh, great just, stuff. I actually just got a French mate stuff. To, to translate it for me just in case like Google Translate missed anything. And it's even funnier. When you, you got it there? <laughs> read it out. Yeah. Absolutely so read it out. It's entitled A Joke. <laughs> yeah. Following the complaint lodged by the EPCR against the Saracens for misconduct... Commission decided on the final penalty, blah, blah, blah. Racing 92 takes note of this grotesque decision. Congratulations to Saracens for this new exploit. <laughs> and then very poetically, with lots of repetition, we now know that a club can play <laughs> in the highest national division by cheating the salary cap for several seasons. We now know <laughs> that a club... Oh, I forgot that could participate in a major international competition while continuing to mock its rules. And we now know that a club risks only 0.07%, did the maths, of its budget <laughs> if, it may, if it plays an ineligible international. And then the end of it is rugby, the school of life, and this wonderful sport does not have the same value for everyone. Yikes. But we will be happy to play with our friends in Claremont. Ling, I mean, a ling. I have writing press releases is not a fun gig. And Absolutely, whoever did that is a complete genius. Like, I mean, that was their best day at work ever, wasn't it? Yeah. Imagine, imagine going into work and being told you got to write that. Yeah, that would be amazing. Dear rugby, we are fucking fuming. <laughs> Let me tell you why. <laughs> Let me get my rhetorical flourishes out. Yes. <laughs> to articulate exactly I why wanted... you're a bunch of assholes. Now, why did they do that as a fucking video? Thing to camera that'd have been even better. Oh, they could have got Finn to do it. <laughs> oh yeah, of course oh, they could. Couldn't see, they? why didn't that happen? This should be the next stage. Finn, backed up by the Rasa ninety two press officer, delivering his own video interview. What have I got? That's good. <laughs> Jake Paledri. Yeah. Yeah. Old one. But he was very quiet. He was very quiet last week. He was. And I feel like he had a point to prove. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to throw Hadley Parks in there as well. We've sort of touched on it, but like he is just doing what he's... What's remarkable to me when I sort of was watching bits and bobs of the game back was just how often he got over the game line. He's not He's not a man yeah. that runs. He's a man that seems to run he's bigger than his He's not a man that runs, weight. you're right, yes. Well, no, he's not. He more ambles. He, he's very he effective and yet, in his ambling. That's the thing. He doesn't, he doesn't like hit the line with any sort of like Bundyaki-esque no, sort of ferocity. No, no. And yet, he, he watch him. He's very like, clever like, with his footwork. He just gets, yeah, his footwork's really good. He uses his size and his height and his weight really well. He just gets over the game. Like, I don't know if that's all he's being asked to do by Wayne Pivak, but like... He's just doing it really well, and he's constantly getting Wales. Whenever Wales do have the fucking ball, he gets Wales over the game line and gets them good ball. And yeah, it's. I think for anyone who doesn't believe Josh, uh, Sam Lana on Twitter has a really good thread of gifts of Hadley Parks doing exactly this in the. Oh, really? I don't follow that guy. And there's about twelve of them. Really, and well, I was a bit, I was a bit harsh on Parks in my player ratings because I thought it was defensively a bit crap in the first half. But having watched it back, I think you're completely right. He, that's how he's being used at the moment, and he's doing it remarkably well for someone who yeah doesn't have a lot of pace or obvious bosh on them. Yeah, I think it's, he's just very what clever I like about the lines him. that he takes and the footwork. Yeah, that he well, uses. that's what I like about him. I think is that he doesn't it, he doesn't look big, but he is playing big. Yeah. Yeah. He's very effective. He's not very exciting, but he is very effective. Yeah. For now. <laughs> For now, yeah. Like a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> yeah, the, so uh, <laughs> I, don't, I know Toyota nothing about Corolla, cars. I don't even know why I said that. The... I just laughed, I assumed you were right and it was fair. <laughs> That's how we come... roll around here. <laughs> no idea at all. <laughs> supportive group C, a supportive group. Yeah. We don't call yeah. people out. Um anyway, going to Twitter, Anatem Morishard gets in touch. Uh, says good was suspicious French defending might give us all a break from the English wank fest over Sean Edwards <laughs> and Welsh <laughs> to be fair and attempt excuse me yeah I'm assuming that you're, you are a French person so um yeah but yes it is yeah let's put things in perspective shall we but yeah he's done a good job but much to do he's only had three weeks he's only yeah exactly yeah still quite a good turnaround in three weeks mind Robert Maher yeah, gets in touch better. and says that good is Andrew Conway Absolutely. Yes. Not, I've not come to Patricia's tweet yet, chain. but I'm sure she said the same thing as well. But, uh, I'm absolutely certain she did. He was genuinely like gold dust in that game. Yeah. What's remarkable Tackling, is Tackling, that... kicking, running. Looking a bit like oh, a yeah. ginger Ben Stiller, all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> What's remarkable, you know, Conway's 28 years old, man. Like, really? I'm not saying that... Yeah. I thought he was a lot Joe younger Schmitt's... than that. Joe Schmidt has had a long time to it's pick It's a shame him. he only qualified for Ireland, you know, last year. Last, last six months? <laughs> Whatever it was, what? yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know, he's been, he's put, he got his first Ireland cap in 2017. So What on earth was he doing you know, before then? What, what, what on earth was, you know, Joe Schmidt doing? With, with the greatest respect to him, like, Conway's been a very good player for Munster for a very long time now. Look, we've been also, through this before, and let me tell you why it hasn't happened. It's because he does his name is not the name of an international winger. Uh, yeah, so no matter how well mean, he was playing, somebody called Andrew Conway should not be playing international rugby on the wing. <laughs> I mean, true. Yeah, he should be the manager of an Aldi. Yes. 
But how many people sit Ken Owens down like he did at the end of that first half? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely savage. Ken looks a combination of buggered and slightly not arsed, which is just not like him at all, is it? Mm. No. Also, I thought he was he was like, I mean, genuinely, he was he was honestly brilliant. He was smart as well, though. Like, there was a bit. His kicking game where, was great. His kicking game was really smart. There was a bit where Stockdale came off his wing. And then just like basically stayed on Conway's wing, and Conway was like, "All right, mate, I've got you. I'll go over to yours." Until like until that sort of sorted out, you know, he just didn't. It seemed like he was communicating really well with everyone around him, as well as doing stuff on his own really well. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's, he's been a long time coming, but he's going to take a big. You know, let's not forget that Ireland have done things like play Dave Carney. Well, hey, Dave, Dave Carney 2.0 is a lot. Yeah, but I'm talking about Dave Carney 1.0. I'm talking about Dave Carney 1.0 was ridiculous. I'm talking about OG Dave Carney. And Dave Carney 2.0 uh, only, only came to prominence about six weeks ago. So, and he's you know, still yeah. not better than Andrew Conway, in fairness. So. <laughs> yeah, very good point. And, yeah, and I'm still not sure that we're not going to have <laughs> yeah. some sort of you know dramatic regression to Andrew Conway, uh, to, to Dave Carney 0.5. So. <laughs> yeah, I just think uh, I look at it. I just think yeah, Andrew Conway is going to take some shifting from that Ireland jersey now, and more power to him. Yeah, he's earned it. That's what we got. That's good here. Peter says, "Good the fact that Justin Tipperick plays for the Osprey, so he's very experienced at playing so incredibly well when everything around him is falling apart." Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. good point. That's good. That's good here. Will Owen gets in touch and also says, "Carlo Canna range of passes was excellent. Very comfortable in contact against a threat threatening defence." Dog Botherer says good was Licata <laughs> off the bench for Italy. Their production line of gnarly back row forwards continues. Yes. It mm, does yeah. actually, yeah. Yeah, it's an area of strength for them. Uh, Rob Jones, I don't think he's been entirely serious here, Rob. He says good is Sexton being allowed to have a go at referee in a Six Nations game. Nice to see rugby authorities helping players with their future career sources. Choices. <laughs> Very droll, Rob, yes. They do uh, like he... a chat, don't they? That Irish team shut... do like a chat, yeah. don't they? I mean, I'm finding it increasingly tedious quite how much talking goes on. Particularly Sexton, I think, ultimately, I think he's a, not a good choice in captain because Pratt was really pissed off with him. Yeah. By about on the other hand, the second off. Sexton's going to talk anyway, so maybe you should make him the captain. <laughs> and then at least he's entire and that's a team. very good point, actually, yeah, because at least he's allowed to talk to the ref then. Yeah. Whereas, but also, what he does is as just wins. Dan Bigger is on the Wales team. Oh, absolutely! Like, like, but I don't think anybody's asking Dan Bigger to be made captain. I don't think anybody's asking no, no, Dan Bigger to be made yeah. Wales captain for that exact. Because if it's the fly-off, the captain can come over and just go, "All right, I'm telling him to fuck off now because he's being tedious." If you're the captain and you're the one whinging constantly, nobody can come over and tell you to fuck off. There and was a point where Murray went over to Pratt, and Pratt really looked like he he wanted to talk to Murray, but knew he had to go over and talk to Sexton. Yeah, exactly. He was kind of like and I feel himself like, away. I feel it's going to be an interesting test of Sexton's sort of on-field temperament. This, you know, it it, it worked out all right for him, you know, on the weekend and has done so far. But like when it's proper backs against the wall stuff, I do wonder if his particular brand of ref winching is going to do more harm than good. Because we know that refs like to basically, in, in a sort of mafia style, you know, they like a reasonable man. They like to have a polite conversation. Yeah. They don't want to do be a little bit of that. You know, he, 
He got better he a until the second off. He did. Yeah. Can I negotiate this with you? Can you look at that while I do this? So, you know, it was... Mm. I yeah, he, he understands like the fundamentals. Being captains, but yeah. No, backs being captains is a terrible idea anyway. But yeah, I just... Especially from from a sort of... Ones. From an outside looking in point of view, if I just think I worry if that's, you know, if that's ultimately going to be the most beneficial person to be talking to the ref all the time, compared to somebody like a Rory Best, who was always an incredibly reasonable person with the ref. I, I feel like, like it's probably like a kind of, it's a bit of a holding thing in it, so you don't give it to James Ryan too soon. Yes, very <laughs> true, actually. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Holding pattern, yeah. Just give it, just give it to bridging... fucking CJ Stanter then. I would give it to Ian Stanton. Henderson, to be honest. I'd give He's it Standard. Standard's more. Yeah, Standard. Oh, yeah, Standard's is, more likely to start. Fine. And Standard sort of feels more like he should be the captain than Sexton does in a weird way to me. Like, I don't know why, but. I suppose the other thing about it is, is I, I did a thing about this, like, should Owen Farrell be captain? It's like, you don't, you don't need to be captain to be a good leader. You know, mm. you can do that. No, anyway. absolutely. You should pick the person who's best placed to talk to the ref generally. So for England, I would say. Have a look at Jamie George, but mm. the thing with Sexton is: is there anyone in that team who's going to overrule him? Well, you wouldn't yeah. do it because you just get a massive fucking volley of verbal abuse back at you for about twenty-three minutes, wouldn't you? So <laughs> well, why would you bother? Yeah, what I mean is, there is a certain thing <laughs> yeah. of like, what's the point having? Fine, just someone? let that. Just fucking let that guy get on with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can see that with Sexton. You know, like if he, yeah, if he's willing point, to acknowledge that he's bad at dealing with refs and get better at it. Yeah, which I think you he did do through the game on the weekend. And I think definitely. he did try, yeah. I think you give him the chance to do that, and if he still can't do mm. it, you're like, right, well, now you just have to do what James Ryan tells you to do, don't you? We've all got that one mate, haven't we, who in, who in, in arguments is always like factually and completely wrong, but they're absolutely yes. convinced <laughs> that they are. And and I yeah. and, and how many of us tell people go, well, yeah, maybe. And just that's the end of it. And I think that's maybe <laughs> what the, the approach is sex is, that international refs in the end will just go, yeah, well, Maybe. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I don't know, mate. Yeah. Like thirty percent of the time, they'll just say, "I'll have a look." Yeah. I'll yeah. Go away. yeah. Perhaps. Okay. I won't. Which give is it what Pratt yeah. did. All right. Fine. I'll have a look. Yeah. I'll go away. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! He's coming over again. Fuck's sake! That's not a um, yeah. What else we got? That's good here. Last couple. Uh, Max Power gets in touch. He says, "Good as Remain Antimac getting the woodwork hat trick of both posts and the crossbar." I did enjoy yeah. that. That was fun. That his nice... line for his try was very nice as well. He must be. He's said. a very nice player, um, isn't he? Uh, what else have we got? This good here. Phil Cartin says good is headmasters Win Jones and Sexton. One straightening collars and the other making sure the boys are all stood in the line before the game. Alan Win Jones straightening Hadley Parks' collar. I loved was it so adorable. much. Adorable. So <laughs> like Hadley Parks so is like thirty-one years look... old, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. And also the look on his, the sort of look of bit of like sort of shock. On Hadley Parks' face when he just flicks it was just glorious. And rightly so, as and you the, say. A 31-year-old man, you're not expecting that. But I like I just love Alan Wynn's like attention to detail. The sort of paternal yeah. like put your collar up, lad. <laughs> yeah, it's a this a, a very mum vibe. I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, I've got one that anymore. I can't believe you didn't open the show like with the commentary of, to Ooh, be honest. Baptiste Saran's try. Oh, of course. Yes. Oh, oh. Right. Yeah, exactly. I try to limit my exposure to Baptiste Saran. It's not, it's, not healthy. Yeah. it's not healthy for yeah. me. Otherwise, yeah. I'm just going oh. like that. So <laughs> I have to, and nobody wants that. Uh, 
it was absolutely exactly what I wanted to happen when he came on, to be honest. I'm loving like, yeah, that he's just... cemented on the bench now, that nobody's budging him. He just gets to come yeah, on yeah. and do do Baptiste shit yeah. for the last 20 there minutes of every game. Arguably more yeah. like sort of steady, competent options like nine in France, and I want none of them anywhere near that bench. Only Baptiste. Fuck no. If you want steady like, and competent... Get, get outside isn't... of France, for one thing. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, for starters. But it's like, why wouldn't you want to replace, you know... a firecracker young lunatic with another firecracker young lunatic especially right. one like that especially one like baptiste you know also my mate pointed out to me earlier his face as he did it was complete arrest as well 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 as well as well I don't blame him for the defensive stuff because I think it's much to do with schematic stuff as individual mistakes. But also, he's I do take an issue in a play. Yeah, but I do take issue with the player who's encroaching on 100 caps. And he has two carries in the entire game when his team's struggling for front football and go forward. It's like if it was I a one-off, I could understand it. Yeah. But it's not. Like for two years I genuinely years now, wrote down in my notes, didn't touch the ball for half an hour, came off his wing looking for work and found it. Should probably do that more. And then when it came to tie them up, I was like, I'm just going to leave that there because that is really all I have to say about him. Like, yeah. Look, it's like look for, for more two, work, George. He's just drifts. He just seems content to drift through games now. And you and like, I've got my issues with Johnny McNichol as a Test player, but you contrast it with what Johnny McNichol was doing on the other. He like, was heavily wing. involved. Like he yeah, he if, might be a player for whom Test level might be a step too far physically for him, but he tried his fucking balls off on Saturday afternoon. And he was it's constantly his looking for game. work. And yeah, he was yeah. everywhere trying to get involved and do stuff. It didn't come off, but he was. No, yeah, really, really he was involved. really, really, he was really getting involved and really trying hard and really trying to make stuff happen. And North just sits out on his wing and waits for stuff. I think the thing about North uh, for me is it is that Cuthbert comparison of like Cuthbert was so so obviously a confidence player, and he mm. kept being played when he had no confidence. Which a few games fine, you back them, and then when it's increasingly obvious that they're just not playing at that level anymore, you're doing them more harm than good by continuing to pick them and expose them to the kind of embarrassment and failure and yeah, horrible yeah, yeah. mockery. And I feel like we're getting to that stage with North or maybe we've already been past it. And in this case, there are alternatives. You know, we kept picking Cuthbert because there weren't really anyone else. Yeah. And there are now. I, and I think you he... should say to North, just go away and play yourself into some proper form, man. Like, I th- I think it's it's yeah, honestly the like the best thing that it's almost worse that he's back in Wales because there's not gonna there's no hiding place for him if he was back if he was still at Northampton if he was somewhere no, else we might actually be having a great time he probably would be and and he would also be able to like if they just dropped him and said go and play for Saints for a couple of years or for six months or eight months or a year he'd be able to hide out for a find bit. exactly whereas. You know, as long as he's playing for the Ospreys, he's always going to be in the public view. It was the same with Cuthbert at, at Cardiff. Yeah, and that's you know, why Cuthbert left, you know. He... Yeah. It's I not going well for him next to... either, but that's... 
Well, no, but no, at least he's not I, being mocked every you think, week. You know, George, George North should be in the prime of his career right now, and he looks like a player that's drifting towards a very... You know, he was a generational fucking talent and remains a generational talent. But he just doesn't look like he's really having that much fun playing rugby anymore. And I just think... That's what I mean, yeah. I should yeah, just think we should... Yeah. We have alternatives. We should say it. it's not... We're not being cruel. Go away and have some fun. Just remember why you like yeah. the game and why you were good yeah. at it. And when you're ready to come back, you'll Honestly, be a place if... in a squad, at least. This would you know? never happen. But the one of the nicest things that the WRU and the Ospreys could do is loan him out to somewhere in Super Rugby. Yeah. And say, go and... You liked running over people in Australia, didn't you, George? You know where they and could send just... him? To the Chiefs. Where could they? With a yeah, they could. Warren Gatland. <laughs> yeah, we're right, yeah. yeah, I do think I you're right. Know. There is something Late about... nomination for hashtag good, Warren Gatland. There is, some, yeah. there is something Always. about the third act of his career is about to unfold, isn't it? Because he's, what, yeah. 26 yeah. now, 27? And it, he's 27, and it feels like it might yeah, be a yeah. really sad act. Because his second if, act was problematic, wasn't it? With all the concussion yeah. and a bit of injury. So injured, yeah. And now he's got this kind of third act about to start. And I do think you're right. I think actually yeah. having a, a nice intermission for some ice cream and shit before you, before you go back yeah. in. Maybe. Yeah. Go enjoy Jamie Roberts at the Stormers, you know? He's having yeah, a blinder, according spend... to our friends. Who's our yeah. friend who updates us from down there. He's had another cracking weekend. Yeah. Just go and live it yeah. up with one of your peak day sort of pals, Jamie Roberts or Warren Gatland, yeah. just have a bit, have a nice yeah. time. And then come back in a year, having remembered who you are and why you're good. And we'll put yeah. you in the in the camp at least, you know, you don't get to walk into the match yeah. day 23 or whatever, but we yeah. say, yeah, we take a look at you, George. Yeah, obviously. we'll give you a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's what else we got the shit. Rod Kimball's Tash gets in touch and he says, shit is Teddy Thomas, Teddy Thomas, Getting stepped on Thank you. on his inside by Minotti <laughs> about six times. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he's not, he's not the first. It was a defence, is it? <laughs> it, it? It absolutely, it absolutely wasn't a game for anyone that was trying to defend Teddy Thomas' test level defence, was it? I mean, neither was last week. I, let's not forget. Neither, you know, think, neither was last week. Yeah. yeah, but fucking hell, it was bad. I can imagine I mean, I Sean. He's got two weeks stepped. now with Sean Edwards. A word in your shell, like Teddy, if you don't mind. <laughs> if also, somebody steps you on the inside, what happens? You just let them go past you. No, <laughs> no, fuck's sake! <laughs> Run after them and smoke them. Where's my bloody Google <laughs> Translate? Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, also, he will basically have to play now that Rattas is uh, is injured. It'll be Peno is going to be back, but Tomat is going to be hanging out on the wing. To have a competition in defensive incompetence yeah. with North, probably. Cool. Fun times. Looking forward to it. Cammy uh, sh- Black gets in touch. He says that shit is hosting a rugby podcast that's quickly turning into one about a soap opera. Because he does a Scottish <laughs> rugby podcast, of course. Might as is well start queuing the EastEnders drums at the end of each great? episode. <laughs> Sorry, I, for one, enjoy when we've got absolutely nothing to talk about of, of on-field stuff and can just talk about the gossipy <laughs> shit off it. Yeah, Maybe yeah. it says a is lot that, about what sort of podcast I should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Go on, Ray, what are you going to say something? Oh, I was going to say just all the terrible kicking. All the really I mean, it was awful. Kicking. I'm going to throw just Sean Maitland the under the bus as well because that guy didn't have a carry until the 59th minute, and he knocked it on. Also, and then he, player of his And then he knocked on two more times. Did knock on three knock-ons. <laughs> three knock-ons before the end of the game. Including... Three touches, three knock-ons. 
<laughs> I don't know if it was actually three touches. It was maybe four touches and three knock-ons. I know. I know it was horrible out there, but mates. Also, Blair Kinghorn on the other wing. Was fucking trying his worst. balls off. Yeah. He was trying really hard. He was, he was doing all right when he got hold of the ball. He had that one time. stepping mazy run as well, didn't he? He kind of stepped yeah. and went and went three times. And everyone went, hang on, you're not supposed to be doing this today. Haven't you read the script, ah. mate? And this is true, kicking but at least, he, into at least he was yeah. successful with his attempt. So, yeah. unlike Maitland, yeah. New. No. What else have we got here that's shit then? Um, Graham Gulvin, lovely patron mm. and, and, and Scottish person, sent me a magnificently long rant to the uh, Patreon <laughs> direct message. I haven't got time to read it all out, Graham, but it did culminate in this. He said, I somehow feel this, this is after, honestly after about, I reckon about 500 words, he, he came to this. I somehow feel this potential golden generation of Scottish players, Dell, McAnally, Gray, Watson, Ritchie, Bradbury, Russell, Jones, Hutchinson, Graham and Hogg aren't going to have a Gatland or a Schmidt to get the best out of them. And the SRU are really letting the long-suffering fans down. It's not Townsend's fault, but why am I thinking letting Cotter go was a bad idea? Townsend would always, and I do mean always, have come back from Scot- for the Scotland job. If he wanted to go to France for a little while to make a bit of money, then fine, let him go. The rush to appoint him for me has been a fatal error on the part of the SRU. I strive to find the positives, but in this case, I'm really struggling. I've seen shit times before, but I'm honestly just begging for the Six Nations to be over and to get the Edinburgh crew back at the club under Cockrell as quickly as possible. Oof. Hang on the money, Graham. Yes. I mean, yeah, I I think I was going to say similar. hashtag shit the SRU in general. Well, yeah, because actually, it's not just the Finn thing or all the other. It's not been great, stuff. is it? It's They've not just been terrible. They've given themselves a hundred million pounds a year each or something. More than that? No, yeah, sorry, not not yeah, that's actually million. million. It's not each, quite yeah. that much, but uh, quite a lot. But also. The grassroots game is suffering. They did the like semi-professional thing really badly. The under-20s team has dropped out of the top-tier championship. They didn't even mention today when they talked about rearranging the women's game that people could watch it on Sky. It's about 10 other things that they've been really shit at in the last six months or something. Like They are doing You're a full-on... Oh, you thought PRL was that. bad. Yeah, <laughs> and the PRL, to be honest. like mm. They've managed to get every single level of it bad. And it's continuing. So, yeah, shit, being a Scotland fan, probably. Sorry, lads. Yeah. Uh, What have we got here? Shit. Uh, Ian Alexander says, shit, is Nige Twitter searching himself and clapping back at the haters? Also, his Wales Online article about the England-France game maybe being his last. It's not about him. He doesn't want to be a celebrity. He still manages to make it all about him. He's a funny character. Clapping back. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah. He does he does like he does seem to like the attention. Of course he, he, he absolutely loves the attention. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Lots of people do, but just don't pre- mm. don't pretend that don't you pretend don't. Pretend you, you don't, know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh right, have we got any more shit? We've been going on for ages. Might have to bring this yeah, one to this a close. Fucking, yeah, let's just kill this. <laughs> Three people, even more, even more nonsense. Yeah. I'll yeah, just finish the. Else. I'll just finish with this one. Good actually from Jamie Phillips. He sent me the video of what he just because of what he's called it. He said good. He says it's Jordy Barrett's sixty-three meter thunder bastard penalty oh. for Hurricanes oh, against Jaguars. Yeah, that is, by the way. <laughs> yes, Medley half penny look not that impressive. It made that bloody Buffelli look say. not that impressive. Never mind Lee half. Penny. Yeah, it was a right, monster kick. Thank you, Ree. 
Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, everybody. We'll be My back pleasure. next week. Will there be no Six Nations? And we'll be back the week after. I'm taking so, the opportunity to be no Six Nations next Saturday to go have a band practice. So there you go. What will you be doing, Josh? Don't know. DIY, probably. What will you be doing, Ray? Something even less exciting than DIY, possibly. Well, so I'm winning next oh, weekend. That's, sure. all yeah. trying, that's all <laughs> I was trying to get to. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got the party life. Well done. Thank you, yeah, everybody. Well Speak done. to you all soon. Ta-da. There's good birthday surprises, like when your friends throw you a party. And bad ones, like realising you're so old, you can't blow out all your candles in one go. At Phonewatch, we're celebrating 30 years of protecting Irish homes. And we've got a birthday surprise for you. For a very limited time, get a Phonewatch alarm installed for only 30 euro. Yes, just 30 euro. Offer ends November 30th, so order right away at phonewatch.ie. Monitoring fees apply. Sports Social Podcast Network.